If Jesus could have accomplished all that he came to do without fasting, why did he fast? Let me say that again. If Jesus could have accomplished all that he came to do without fasting, why did he fast? Now, we know that he fasted, and we know that Jesus never performed any supernatural miracles until he was baptized and then did a 40-day fast. We also recall the disciples bringing uh, a question to him and said, look, we couldn't do something supernatural. We weren't able to cast this demon out of this boy. And Jesus responded and said, what? He said, this kind only comes out by what? Prayer and, and fasting. If you were to ask me and said, you know, I, I, I'm not a Christian. I'm not sure I'm going to become a Christian. But Kurt, what does a Christian do? Can you give me like the elevator speech? I don't want a long sermon. Can you tell me in 30 seconds or less, what does a Christian do? I can because Jesus did this in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. He never said, if you give, if you pray, and if you fast. So we know that Jesus talked about fasting. Not only did Jesus talk about fasting, Peter talked about fasting, Paul talked about fasting. Last week we talked about Ezra. Next week we'll talk about Esther. Today we're going to talk about Daniel. There's 17, 17 called fasts in the Bible. Now, why? If Jesus couldn't do everything without prayer and fasting, what makes us think we will? So here's my question for us this morning. What in the world is biblical fasting? And here's the answer. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. How will 2018 end for you? How will this year be different? How will it be better? What miracle do you need? What habits need to be broken? How hungry are you? I don't mean physically. I mean, how hungry are you for your miracle? How hungry are you for your breakthrough? Fasting puts you in touch with the supernatural activity of God. Let me just share a couple things about fasting. Number one, fasting is this. It prepares you for your future. None of us want to end up the same way. We want this year to be better, right? How many in the room want this to be a great year? want to be a better year. Fasting prepares you for your future. Fasting gives you a fresh anointing. Here's the irony about fasting. When you fast, you actually become hungrier and hungrier for the things of God. And when you're not fasting from God, from food, for a spiritual purpose, you actually lose your edge. You lose your anointing. It prepares you for your future, and it gives you a fresh anointing. It's a constant means of renewing yourself spiritually, and all of us want that. In this room today, I think the reason you're here, starting the year off this way, is you want to have a great year, right? It's why you're here, and you want to grow in your faith spiritually. Number four, it puts you in the mainstream of God's priorities. If you're a golfer, it puts you in the center of God's fairway. And again, how do you discover these things? How do you understand what God's will is for you this year? How can you have the breakthroughs in your life that God has in store for you? And fasting does this. It says, I need help, and I'm desperate. Now, once you understand fasting and once you study it a little bit, I can think of only two reasons why you wouldn't do it. Only two reasons. The first reason is absolute arrogance. I don't need God's help. I don't need it. 
I'm good. I'm successful. I've done the things that I've done. I've pulled myself up. Look at who I am. I'm a great woman. I'm a great man. I'm a great student. I'm a great whatever. The first reason has to be arrogance. You don't think God can make a difference in your life? You don't think God can take your parenting from here to here, your business from here to here, your job from here to here? The first reason has to be arrogance. The second reason just has to be apathy. I don't really care. I'm going to muddle through this year just like I muddled through the last year, just like I muddled through the year before. It, it, it has to be either arrogance, once you understand it, or it has to be apathy. Now, again, there may be some medical reasons. If you're pregnant and you're a pregnant woman, you know, if a pregnant woman gives up coffee, you just avoid her at all costs, all right? Got hormones and no caffeine, you just go the other way. You just wave and I'll see you in 21 days. But, but for all of us in this room, the question is really is how hungry are you for the things that God has in store for your life? Well, Daniel talks about this. Now, I'm going to give you some scripture. I'm about 20 verses of scripture this morning out of Daniel chapter 9. If you want to turn with your app, you can flip there to your app, get on your phone. We'll go through these verses. But what's so good about Daniel is this. Daniel's in a foreign land. Daniel's in exile. Daniel's been now in Babylon, which is modern-day Iran, for at least 70 years. And he reads the words of the prophet Jeremiah... And the prophet Jeremiah said, you're only going to be in exile for 70 years. After 70 years, waves of you will start coming back the 1,500-mile trek from modern-day Iran back to Jerusalem. Now, Daniel was hungry, and Daniel called a fast. And Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 shows us the commitment of Daniel. Now, now get this. For 70 years, every day, Three times a day, Daniel would go upstairs, open his windows, point toward Jerusalem, and he would pray. Now, that's commitment. Three times a day, for 70 years, Daniel is praying. And here's what he says. As he reads Jeremiah the prophet, he realizes that now's the time for the Jews to start going back to their homeland, and he's hungry. He's hungry for his miracle. He's hungry for his breakthrough. He's hungry for something different and a change in his life. And here's Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. Here's how it starts. So I turned to the Lord, and I pleaded with him in prayer, petition, in fasting. Circle that word in your mind. Circle it in your Bible, or if you've got an app and want to highlight it. He, he does a fast in sackcloth and in ashes. Verse 4. I prayed to the Lord and I confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Again, God prophesied, God predicted 70 years, and he's just reminding God of his word. When you don't know how to pray, you always pray God's word because it's always in his will. When you don't know what to say, just open up your Bible and start praying the scriptures. It's going to be good. He loves his word. So he's reminding God of this. We've sinned and we've done wrong. We've been wicked and we've rebelled. We've turned away from your laws and from your commands. We've not listened to your servant, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and to the whole people of the land. Now, here's what fasting does. It wakes you up and it gives you a new perspective. I love the fact that you get answers in a fast. I love it that you get insight during a fast. 
I love the fact that you get breakthroughs during a fast. And he's asking now for a, a new perspective. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both far and near, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness. Notice what he's saying. A fast, you're no longer pretending. A fast is really about this. It's getting you in touch with you. You see, you can deceive you. You can keep telling that same silly story how it wasn't your fault. You didn't do it. You didn't own up to it. You can keep telling that over and over and over again till you believe it. But a fast gets you real and gets you raw really quick. Verse 8. We and our kings and our princes, our ancestors, we are covered with shame, Lord. We are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. You know what a fast will do? It will move you from shame to shine. Try to say that three times real quick, all right? It'll move you from shame to shine. And we all want to shine. And a fast puts us on a new plateau, a new plane. Fasting, verse 9, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Now look at this. You know what a fast does? It just clarifies the nature of God. You go through a year. You go through ups and downs, mercurial, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not really sure who God is. I'm not really sure how God works. It clarifies his nature. And this fast gets Daniel in touch with the nature and the character of God, and it will do the exact same thing for you, and it does the same for me. It clarifies the nature of God. And when you're going through a storm, and you need your miracle, and you don't have a breakthrough, it's vital that we latch on to the nature of who God is. We've not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through the, prop, through the service his prophets. All Israel has turned. Uh, your, all has transgressed your law. We've turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and the sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because, Lord, let's just be honest. We have sinned against you. When's the last time? You got down on your hands and knees and you said, Father, forgive me. I've messed up. I wasn't honest. I wasn't truthful. I didn't, I didn't respond. I didn't, Lord, I have sinned. When's the last time? That's what a fast will do. Get you real, get you raw really, really quick. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us. In other words, God said this through Ezekiel. He said this through Amos. He said this through, you can just fill in the minor or the major prophets. God said, if you don't obey, disaster's coming. Lord, you fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Two different kingdoms, the Assyrians, one kingdom, the Babylonians, the other kingdom. God said it was going to happen. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses... All this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the Lord, sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from sins and giving attention to your truth. Now keep in mind, he's doing a fast, and here's what fasting does for you. It's seeking the favor of God. It's a repentance. It's changing how you think and changing how you live. And it brings about some amazing revelation in your life. How will 2017 be unrepeated? 
How will 2018 be different? It's the revelation of God. God shines his spotlight on you and begins to give you clarity and direction for your life. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourselves a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. The only way to get healthy is to be honest. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away from your anger, from your wrath, from Jerusalem, from your city, from your holy hill. He says this in verse 16. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, fasting is asking for another chance. I want another chance, Lord. Lord, I've blown it. I've blown it 13, 14, 15 times. I want another chance in my life to do something differently. It's a mulligan. It's a do-over. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. You know what fasting is? It's like grace. You're asking for favor even though you don't deserve it. So yesterday morning, we were in California, and everything was going great. We would fly from the area of California to Phoenix. We're just about to leave the home we're in, going to this airport 25 minutes away, I get a notification on my phone that now it's going to be like two hours late. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to miss our Phoenix connection. How are we going to get from Phoenix back to Tampa? So I call American Airlines, and they said, "Uh, yeah, you're right. You're going to be stuck. (laughs) I said, well, what are my options? And we worked for like five minutes, and they said, you're going to be stuck. So we rebooked the flights for this morning, which means I'm going to miss today. And so Danita gets real quiet, and whenever Danita gets quiet, she goes into prayer mode. When I get frustrated, I like to talk. She gets quiet. That's why we're such a great team. Uh, She prays. I just spew and walk around and talk out loud, and it works great. It's how it works. And so she's praying, and the Holy Spirit's always about six inches above her head. If you look real closely, you can just see tongues of fire on top of Danita, you know, and you don't see horns in me, but you see a halo over her. And so we decided to go to this little airport, and, and I, long story short, I'm working with this travel agent. I'm getting nowhere. I'm working with the counter people. I finally get a manager, and it's not working. A fast is a fight. A fast is a good fight. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be mean. But a fast is I'm not taking this. If I'm in God's will, this is going to work. If we're not in God's will, then close the doors. And my favorite scripture verse is, Lord, open doors that no one can close. But for goodness sakes, close doors that no one can open. And I got to know the difference between the two. Because I'm sitting there trying to figure out, are we not supposed to be on the plane? Is another pastor supposed to preach? Tom Goodlett was the pastor on, on call today. He's sick. He doesn't have a voice. I'm thinking, that can't be it. So we go to the other airport, finally we get another option, and the next airport we have to drive to is an hour and a half away, and the flight is two hours. We'll have 30 minutes to get boarding passes, pay for luggage, get there, check in, go through security. I said, Danita, I don't think, she said, we're going. I said, all right, we're going. So I drive a little bit over the speed limit, God forgive me. (laughs) And we get there, and I'm not kidding you. The difference between providence and coincidence. 
Coincidence is a few things kind of work out. Providence is a miracle. One stoplight. I hit one stoplight in an hour and a half. I'm not kidding you. One stoplight. We get to the Hertz place. We turn the car in. I tell the lady, I can't, you know, spend a lot of time here. We got a flight in about uh, 28 minutes. She said, oh, really? So she gets this guy, and he drives us, and I think we're going to kill people. He's about running through people. When does the Hertz guy say, come on, and drive you to your place? That has to be the, the power of God. We go through everything. We sit down, and we look at each other, and we go, all right. We're supposed to be here. My, my point is this. A fast is a fight. You're fighting urges. You're fighting desires. And what you're saying is, God, I hunger and I thirst more for you. Now, I want, you to, be on, I want to be honest with you. I want to be straight up. I hate fasting. I don't mildly dislike it. I loathe it. Okay. I am selfish, and I love my foods, and I've got my certain set of foods that I love and adore. I have never, not one time have I ever enjoyed a fast. Danine and I do, I'm, ask her, Danine and I do four, three to four of these every year for different reasons, 21 days, three or four times a year, and I hate all three or four of them with a passion. I'm not very spiritual. You've, you figure that out by now, haven't you? But I love the results. I love what God does. I love my miracles. I love my breakthroughs. There is no way that I can get this or do this or have this without the hand of the Father. How hungry are you? It is a fight for your miracle. It is a fight for your marriage. It is a fight for your children. It is a fight for your business. It is a fight for your future. And the most secret weapon that you and I have, I have discovered in my life, the most secret weapon for spiritual growth and spiritual activity have been these 21-day fasts. And I hate every day of not having my favorite foods. I love what the Father does through the fasts. It's a fight. It's not for the weak. It's not for the timid. It's for the big, the bold, the brave. It's tough. And if you think your life's going to be easy during those 21 days, (laughs) you are, you fell off the turnip truck, all right? I'm telling you, it's a fight. Give ear, oh God, and hear. Open your eyes. He's begging God to show up. See the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous. (laughs) You and I don't make requests of God because we deserve it. But why? Because of your great mercy. So here's what a fast does. It opens God's eyes and ears, and it's asking for all the mercies of God. How hungry are you for spiritual growth in your life? Just how hungry are you? It opens his eyes. It opens his ears. Verse 19 says this. Now, everything's been the wind-up. Here's the pitch. (laughs) This is now the pitch, as one of my favorite elders says to us. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your name and your people bear your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, don't miss that verse. Look what he was doing. While I was what? 
speaking. While I was what? Praying, confessing my sins, the sins of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man, the angel I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight. There's something about a fast that expedites your prayers. It's like at Disney, you get on the fast track, you know, the fast pass, you pass. There's something about a fast that just speeds everything up in in your life. He instructed me and he said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Gosh, I need this. Don't you need insight? How, How do you run a business without insight? How do you be a mom without insight? How in the world can you be a dad without insight? How can you be a cadet group leader? How can you teach three-year-olds? How can you just function without some divine unction? Gives you insight. He gives you understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I've come to tell you, I just love that. As soon as I began to pray... The word went out. As soon as I began to pray, the word went out. Why? Because he's praying. He's confessing. He's fasting. He's humble. He's acknowledging. He's asking for grace. He's asking for mercy. I'm not asking because I deserve it. Lord, I don't deserve it. My people don't deserve it. But we're asking because you're merciful. Well, we started off talking about uh, win the day. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes as we close this morning. Win the day. It's a great phrase. I I want it to be your strategy for 2018. You see, when you think about winning the year, it's too big. It's too many components. And I, I think most people try to win the year. And they can't see the month, and they can't see the week, and they certainly can't see the day. What I've observed as a pastor is people who try to win the year miss the month. And they miss the week. And they they can't get on top because there's so many moving parts in in an entire year. So I want to encourage you just to win the day. Just, Just win. Don't worry about the week. The week will have enough problems. How in the world can you win the month? You don't know what's going to happen in 25 days from now. And then how in the world can you win the year? And I, I, it just bogs my mind to try to put 365 moving pieces and parts. All, I, I can't do it. But I can win the day. I, I can win the day. I can always win the day. And here's how it starts. If you don't start your mornings with him, you're not going to win the day. But you start the day with him, you're going to win the day. If you don't start the day with him, you might, you might not. But when you start winning the mornings, I don't know what that is for your context. Everybody in the room has to put that into their own context. It may be a five-minute prayer time in your truck on the way to work. It may be listening to a, a scriptures, a new version or Bible, read. Maybe sitting in a chair for an hour. I don't know what that means for you. I don't care what it means for you. 
you contextualize what that is for your life. How can you win the day? Well, you, you can't win the day if you don't win the morning. But when I win the morning and I start my day with God, and, and that's really what Daniel did. Daniel did this three times a day for 70 years. He is an exile in a foreign land. And God prospered him and God blessed him. He was successful. He was like promoted. How, how can I? I don't know that I can win the year. I don't know that I can win the month. I'm not even sure I can win the week. And in my life, when I tried to like win the month and win the year, I didn't sleep good. I didn't sleep well. I had five or six years of just sheer insomnia. I sleep better than I've ever slept before. Pressure couldn't be any greater in my life. But I don't have to win the week. I don't have to win the month. And I know I can't win the year. But I can win the day. I can win the day. And so I spend my mornings with him. And I get a fresh anointing from him. Sometimes it's a little longer. Sometimes it's a little shorter. Sometimes it's this. Sometimes it's that. But you can win the day. You see, when you win the mornings, you win the meeting, and you win the concert, and you win the class, and you win the job. And as a mom, oh my gosh, winning the day might mean instead of losing it 18 times, you only lose it 16 times. I think that's winning, okay? As a dad, you're spread in five different directions as a man or dad. Winning the day is, I just got to do this right today. I just got to be in God's will today. All I got to do is win. You know what winning the day is? It's like obedience in, a, in the right direction for a long, long time. That's winning the day. Obedience in the right direction for a long, long time. John Wooden, I think one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, won 10 NCAA championships with UCLA. John Wooden said, make every day your masterpiece. That was his goal. I don't think you're going to be able to win the year. I don't think you're going to be able to even win the month. I'm not sure about the week. But you can win the day. You can win the day. And so winning the day, for me, means getting my mind and my heart in the Scriptures, in prayer, connecting with Him every single day. I'm your preacher. I got to do my spiritual push-ups just like you. And if I don't do my push-ups, spiritually speaking, I'm not going to win the day. So start the fast today. If, you, if you're new to, with us at church, start today. Start tomorrow. Pick a couple foods that mean something to you. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's sweets. Maybe it's breads. Um, I'll never forget this five years ago when we started these 21-day fasts. A woman about 30 years of age came up to me and she said, Preacher, I'm going to give up vodka for the next 21 days. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there going, that's good, that's good. And I'm thinking, maybe you should do it for 365 days. I, just a thought. 
You know what's at stake? Your legacy, your family, your children. What's at stake is the fruitfulness of your life, 30, 60, or 100-fold. You know what's really at stake? Your miracle. God has a miracle in store for you this year. And you know what's at stake? His glory. The glory of God is on the line. God's got a lot in this. And he wants to partner with you. He's not got any illusions about who you are or the mistakes that you've made. But the Heavenly Father wants to come alongside of you and do life with you. I want to ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask us to stand at this time. And I want you to think about winning the day. If you get nothing else out of this message, I'm going to ask you this week, today, tomorrow, how do I win the day? How do I win the day? How do I win the day? And you start, obviously, if you're not a Christian, you start by giving your life to Christ. Jesus Christ died on a cross to save you from your sins. Absolutely. And if you've never done that, that's the plate that you want to win there. You want to win with Christ. And Christ wants to forgive. But then maybe winning the day for you means, oh, God, some addictions. Oh, God, some behaviors. Oh, God, I have, I have sinned. Oh, God, I need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe this week you need to go and beg for someone's forgiveness that you've offended. Let's win the day. Let's win Monday. Let's win Tuesday. Let's win Wednesday. Let's win Thursday. Let's win Friday. Let's win Saturday. Let's come back next week, and we're going to talk about Esther. Man, was she in a mess. Let's talk about winning and winning and winning by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. We bow before you. We acknowledge your greatness. And we ask these things not because we are righteous, but because you are rich in mercy. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.